This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3152 for Tuesday the 1st of September 2020. Today's show is entitled, My Pocket Knives. It is hosted by Dave Morris, and is about 15 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, I talk a little about some pocket knives I often carry. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. This is Dave Morris. Now, today I've got a fairly short show. It's the sort that I quite like to listen to, quite like to do. It's basically a list, but I hope you might find it interesting. I'm talking about pocket knives. Now, when I was a boy, quite a long time ago now, maybe from about age 10, I was given a pen knife as they were called. Are they still called that? It's a little little thing with a, a pearl handle with two blades in it. Carried that all the time around with me, and it was pretty normal. I mean, you could take that to school and um, sharpen pencils with it. It was very common to do that. Anyway, since then, I've always carried pocket knives of some sort with me. Not necessarily in my pocket, but in a rucksack or whatever. I've got three knives that often travel with me just now, though two of them have got a locking function on them, and UK laws seem to be against such knives for reasons that I'm not entirely clear about, given that a a knife is just as deadly whether it locks or not. But there you go. If you have one and you're stopped by the police, you have to give a good reason for why you're carrying it, which is to do with your, your business or something. Anyway, I'm going to talk about these three knives, and just in brief, just to to summarise what I'm going to talk about, one's a Victorinox Huntsman, the other one is a Durol French knife, and the third one is a Roxon knife from China. Let's talk about the Huntsman, the Victorinox. I expect most people know about these sorts of knives. They're generally called Swiss Army knives. That's what they originally derived from. There's quite a lot of information about the history of this stuff, and I've pointed to a few um, things like a Wikipedia article. They're usually knives which have lots of tools in them. The, the number of tools can vary. It can just be two or three, but can be quite an enormous amount for the more expensive ones. Victorinox is the predominant brand now. There used to be others, but they've all been sort of bought or disappeared, I think. The Wikipedia article I refer to tells you quite a lot. The model I've got is the Huntsman, and it's classified as a medium-sized knife, if you on the, the Victorinox website. Uh, I, I won't list all the bits, but in brief, it's got two 
uh, blades, which are really sharp, a pair of scissors. It's actually got um, a saw for cutting wood, which I, for some reason or other in the photos I forgot to open out. If you open out all the tools on these things, you have to be really careful. You don't cut your fingers. <laughs> so maybe I was just being ultra-cautious. But um, anyway, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing. Some pictures of it. It's also got a couple of little detachable tools in it. There's a toothpick, which is a plastic toothpick. Strange thing to have in a knife, I guess. You never know. And a pair of tweezers, which are actually quite good for getting splinters out of your fingers or whatever I found. One of the best pairs of tweezers I have. Now, I originally bought one of these a very long time ago in Edinburgh from a tool shop near the centre of the city. Um, and this tool shop was really old-fashioned, run by a, a family, a sort of family shop. Had lots and lots and lots of stuff, not organised in any particular way, just sort of <laughs> all around the place. But you could get so much good stuff in there. And they had a sale of these knives. I don't know why, because I think they hold their price pretty well. But I took advantage of it and bought one, bought the Huntsman. Loved that knife. Carried it with me a lot in my in my pocket. But went out walking with the kids one weekend and we were cutting sticks because that's what you do when you're out in the woods with children and uh, using the, the saw. And I put it back in my pocket and it must have fallen out at some point because I lost it. So I felt pretty sorry for myself. It was really, you know, the things that you really uh, like and you that you lose, you, you do tend to regret. At least I do. But eventually I decided, well, the only sensible thing to do would be to get another one. So I bought the current one off Amazon, where the price was not as good as the original sale price, but it wasn't too painful. I think they're somewhere around £30, £35 for this one now. I think in the 20, 20 25 sort of area when I bought it. 28, I don't remember now. Anyway, but um, so I, I'm very careful with it. tend not to carry it in my pocket so much. And uh, it's in, usually in my rucksack. Though you have to watch out for carrying knives in a rucksack because often these days you go into, into museums and stuff and they want to put anything you're carrying through, a, and you in some cases, through a metal detector. So Second knife cut is a Dural, I think they pronounce it Dural brand, and it's a, there's a couple of pictures of it. It's manufactured in an interesting city in central France called Thiers, that's how you pronounce it. And it's known as the Knife City because it's got loads of factories that make knives. It's the source of, of many knives that you'll find in France and elsewhere, I think. This is a classic design. And uh, Thiers is in, how do you say this, Puy-de-Dôme, Puy-de-Dôme? Anyway, it's in the Auvergne region, central, central France. Never been there myself, but somewhere I'd really like to visit one day. On the Wikipedia page for this, it says, it's about Thiers, is a major historical centre of knife manufacturing with about 100 companies and a cutlery museum. 70% of French pocket knives, kitchen and table knives are manufactured in Thiers. My sort of base really. This particular knife has a wooden handle which I believe is ash. I, I can't identify it myself but I think the design has been ash for the old-fashioned one. 
which this is, there's a metal collar at the top, which if you picture you'll see, and through the collar is a riveted uh, pivot on which the, uh, the blade sits. The blade is locked in a closed position, and there's a red button on the, the handle of the knife which you press and you can unlock. Then when it's in the open position, it locks again, and uh, the red button does, does the job. The knife design is documented as possibly being derived from the other a classic French pocket knife, which I assume it must therefore be uh, have been created before the Dural. The and that's the Opinel, and uh, just so happened that Shane Shannon did a show on uh, this knife and a few other things. Showed two thousand six hundred and fifty. Partly what gave me the idea to talk about my knife. I think it's actually a nice subject. If there's something, if you're thinking of doing a show and you're into knives, then that might be a fun thing to, to talk about. So this model is the basic one. Uh, yeah, I think it is the, the rock bottom version. And there are others with different colours, plastic handles, more accessories like corkscrew or bottle opener and this sort of thing. But I tell you the tale of how I came by this knife. I bought it in France in the 1980s some, somewhere, I'm not quite clear when exactly, but uh, 82, 3, somewhere like that. Um, we used to go to conferences. I was working at a local university at that point. We used to go to conferences because there was a budget for doing that. My boss tended to chair various bits, uh, like to be on you know, management uh, committees and stuff. For we were going to Paris. We were driving from Edinburgh which was an interesting thing to do, but something he did fairly often, being a great Francophile. And we... Uh, I, I made some note. I put a footnote here thinking, oh, maybe you might be interested in this. The footnote says, to get to um, from Edinburgh to Paris, we drove in my boss's car, it's not surprisingly a French car, um, and we took, took a share, we shared the driving... We drove to Dover on the south coast of England and we took then hover speed hovercraft service to Calais. So that was that's long gone now. I think it's it um, closed down. The link there's a link here which will tell you. I don't remember. I think it closed down in about two thousand and five, having been running from the early nineteen eighties. Hovercraft were, were more cool than they seem to be. It's a great massive thing that uh, came up a ramp on the on the beach as I recall you could drive a car into a up a ramp and into the usual thing it got strapped down and then you sat in a um, thing that felt a bit like an airplane um, seating area um, and it was a re reasonably smooth crossing don't think hovercraft were very good with choppy sea conditions certainly heavy a heavy swell would uh, would stop the service as far as I understand and they were incredibly noisy too, with sort of big aircraft engine on the top to drive the, the fans. Anyway, we took the hovercraft to Calais. We just ran up the beach and we then drove from there uh, into Calais itself. And we drove to Paris from there. But on our way through Calais, there was Calais was famous. I don't know if it still is for these uh, hypermarché hypermarkets which a lot of Brits tended to, to visit because it's a good place to get cheap wine and, and cheese and all sorts of stuff. I don't know what the status of that stuff is now, but at that particular point, 
It's a, a very cool thing to do. And we went in one to see what it was like and to get some stuff for lunch. And uh, I bought a baguette and some cheese and the, the usual things that you do when you're in, in uh, France. Probably some smelly cheese. Cause it was... And um, I saw this knife available in the in the hypermarket and thought, oh, that would be good for... Because you can use it for spreading stuff. You can use it to, for cutting stuff. So I'm going to have that. So I... I bought that there, and it stayed with me ever since. So it's pretty, pretty old. It doesn't look too battered actually. It's used a fair bit. So that's my tail. So the third knife is called Roxon R O X O N, and I saw it on Amazon, and thought it would be quite cool. It's a single-bladed knife, and you can open it with one hand because it's got a button on the blade that you can swivel around. Never owned such a knife before and thought it would be quite... It's quite a stylish looking thing. You can see if you've got access to the pictures. It locks open and then when as it opens it reveals a, an unlock button that you can press and um, close the blade up again. It's not spring-loaded or anything. It wouldn't be, would it? Um, it's a, I'd say it was a right-handed design though. I would imagine it would be quite difficult to open it if you're left-handed in the way that I can, that I do it with my right hand. But um, I don't know, I've never been left-handed, so I don't know. It's got a, a belt clip or a pocket clip on the rear, which you can detach, apparently. Looked into doing that. Um, from that side, there's a, a pair of scissors. Now, scissors in knives, nothing very special. These are massive, given the, the size of the knife. And they are they're really chunky and very uh, robust and sharp and effective what little experience i've had with them you could prune small plants and that sort of thing with them in the garden you could cut heavy fabrics and so on and so forth so i got the knife from amazon as i said it was about 25 pounds i found that it's made in china when i looked at the box it's hard to find out where it's come from on amazon they don't tell you they always tell you random stuff nothing that you want to know often and um, the Roxon website doesn't tell you very much about where from. But um, anyways, any difference as far as I'm concerned. It seems quite well made and it's quite comfortable to hold and to use. So my only concern is that the knife has got sort of two bevels to it. It's got a usual sort of cutting edge, long cutting edge. And then rather than curving to the tip, there's a there's an turn to it and I don't know how easy it would be to sharpen just that wee tip bit but I forgot use a use a, a wet stone of some sort so if I to in conclusion if I had to choose one knife to take with me on a trip I think I'd take the Victorinox because it's just got so much um, versatility all the, all the gadgets with it but most of the time I have all three of these in pretty proximity bag in a pocket <laughs> on the desk beside me as they are now and uh, so don't really have a strong strong preference so that's the end um hope you find that uh, interesting as i say if you think it's a subject worth adding to then do so by all means okay then bye <laughs>
We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.